The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Deborah. It's so nice to finally have a, another game to be able to watch. Um, it, it, it sucks when the last thing you've seen for, you know, going on nine days come tomorrow will be UNC beating the hell out of Wake, or just even if it's not UNC, just anyone in general. I know in football, it's always. You know, there's not a darker place than the bye week after a loss. That's kind of how this feels with the idle week for Wake Forest. You know, we've kind of run around the same arguments in the last week and a half. I'm excited to actually just watch Wake Forest play basketball at this point. I'm so excited for that. Before I get into their game against Pitt, always have to start with a little bit of bracketology because why not? It's whatever wants the rage right now is what we're talking about. I have had enough, 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 enough of the, and, you know, it feels weird being the quote-unquote media. It it felt so just abysmally weird just to see guys like John Rothstein be like, oh, yeah, the Clemson losing on, on Saturday to Duke's going to try and make the ACC a, a two-bid league. Clemson's, like, very firmly in the tournament. I have not understood what's gone on there. Her Bart Torvik, who, you know, is I think a much better person to trust than someone who is maybe not a sentient being at this point. The ACC has a 75% chance to get either four or five bits as, as it stands right now. Yeah. The league has a better chance to get seven bits than two bits. I, I don't understand. No, do I think either of those are realistic possibilities? Seven or two? No, I don't. I think a lot, a lot, a lot of things would have to break, you know, the ACC's way in for that to happen. But you know, I the then I really operate in that three to six sort of range, and I've really I think operated that to me mostly four to five. I think five is kind of where I'm okay. I think this is where when it's all said and done, this is going to happen, and. So that's why I'm like, okay, I feel I feel fine about that. I've never understood the two. I think it's more of a 
and I hate the whole, you know, clickbaity type stuff, but it's a, I, I, I don't, it, it, all it does is just create hysteria and just create people mad at you and get, and just get people to respond to you. And it's like, now I have attention. That's, that's all it is. The ACC is not going to be a two bid league. Just point it's plain and simple. They're not going to be a three big league to be, to be quite honest. Like they, I think it, it ends up being four, at the least, and I think five is probably the most reasonable way to get there. It's really funny because it's just looking at Torvik and he, you're able to go on his website and be able to say, okay, you know, it project things over 5,000 simulations, see what happens here. Right now, Wix projected to finish third. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say projected to finish third, but they have the third highest odds of finishing in the top four, which you know, kind of puts them in third place. Uh, you can see it 100%. Duke at 95.2%, Wake Forest at 60, Florida State at 51.9, Virginia at 45, Clemson at 39.1. Clemson's, and it, it, all, it feels weird saying, you know, Clemson is what, I think they're like 10th in, in the ACC right now. And you know, don't really have a, a clear path to finishing, you know, top four, but are like a lock to be in the tournament. That feels weird until you kind of look at their schedule. They have a really, really easy schedule to finish out, quote unquote, easy schedule to finish out their season. They go, they host Louisville, host Virginia, go to UNC, go to Syracuse, host Miami, host State, to Georgia Tech, host Florida State, host Pittsburgh, at Notre Dame, host Syracuse in the, in the season at Wake. Like they, like they could very easily just win one, two, three, four, five, six. They could win seven out of their last like like seven out of their last 12 games. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Clemson went seven to five or even eight and four if they beat a if they beat a Wake or UNC or Virginia, but still not be able to make it in the top four because they have five ACC losses already. Like they their schedule was front loaded to begin with. What going at two Miami, U, uh, UNC, um, who was just not losing apparently. They lost a tough one against Virginia Tech. Double over. Uh, they shouldn't have lost GT, but they choked that one. And then you know, kind of got one stolen from them at, at Duke. But the rest of their schedule is pretty manageable. But they could still go seven to five, eight and four, and not make top four in the ACC. But they're still getting in tournament. So. And I, and I think just looking at that, I'm, I kind of, I kind of look through all the schedules and stuff, and I think there's guys, there's teams like Clemson who I think could play really well. You know, I think Virginia has a pretty solid schedule moving forward. I think they're the fifth easiest per per Torvik. Wake is right now seventh, but then you have teams like Miami who just have a murderer's row. Florida State has a murderer's row. I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm just not so much worrying about, you know, your wins getting better or wins getting worse, whether it's Virginia Tech, whether it's Virginia, whether it's Florida. Florida is basically playing for their tournament lives, by the way. If you have not looked at their schedule, they it, it is a it is a murderer's role the next two weeks for the Gators down there. They go to Kentucky, to Texas A&M, and then host Auburn. That's essentially their tournament hopes right there. Yeah, it would be great if they could win one or two of those and end up being a Q1 win for Wake. But 
But at this point, I'm just kind of not, not that I don't care anymore, but this is a schedule that Wake Forest has that, you know, like I said, they're seventh per Torvik in terms of remaining schedule. And I don't mean seventh, seventh hard, I mean seventh easiest. Like they think that they have a pretty, pretty, they, they think it's a, it's a middle of the road. They, they think it's all right. We have a chance to, you know, there's still some hard games. Obviously you have to go to Duke, you have to go to UVA, to Virginia Tech and you still get Clemson, but it's manageable. It's not Miami's schedule. It's not North Carolina State's schedule. North Carolina State's schedule is abysmal. Wake Forest has a schedule that if they take care of business and it doesn't mean win out, they, they don't need to win out. You just need to, you need to do what you, you need to do what you got, what you've all what you've done this year. You need to win at home. You need to beat Syracuse at home. You need to beat NC State at home. You need to beat Pitt and Duke. I still think it's, I, I still think you don't need to beat both of Duke and, and Clemson. Beating both, I think, locks you in. But beating one of them, especially Duke, I think is a, if you beat Duke at home, I think you're a tournament team, no doubt about it. And obviously don't throw up against Georgia Tech. And then you have your road games, and obviously there's some that are okay to lose. Like I think it's okay to lose on the road at Durham, especially if you're able to beat them at home. You know, a week and a half later, it's totally fine to lose on the road. I think it's totally fine for you to split necessarily Virginia and Virginia Tech. I think I would prefer obviously to win both of them and create some more separation in terms of the standings. I think having that double buy is just going to be more visually appealing. But I think it's fine if you don't if you don't split those. If you do split those, you can't lose at Georgia Tech, can't lose at Notre Dame, <laughs> and Pitt's kind of the one where you're in sort of toss up area. I think it's a very very important game. Pitt has been a very very weird team, and I'm just gonna kind of somewhat segue into them. Pitt's been a really really weird team. They are winless in the ACC at home. Granted, those. Their home losses are Clemson, UNC, Duke, and Syracuse. And then they've lost to Miami and Syracuse on the road. Syracuse is the gatekeepers. That's the whole other story. We'll get there when we talk about Syracuse. And then their wins are Louisville at Georgia Tech and Duke. But Duke was also down Mark Mitchell and, and I believe, was it Roach? I, I Yeah, I believe it was Roach they were down. And... It was just a, a a weird game. Yeah, it was, it was Mark Mitchell and Roach. And it was just a really, really weird game where also Blake Henson went seven for seven for three. Like, I, I, I don't understand this team. Their schedule was something that I want, you know, the ACC to kind of move towards next year. It's, you know, their TV is going to, is going to pretty much keep this at a 20-game schedule. It's just going to be a money thing. But what but Pitt did in the out-of-conference was exactly, in terms of scheduling, what I think you should do. They had a bunch of bad teams. They had four, five, six. They had six Q4 games at home. They had one They had one Q1, Q3 game at home in Port, uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne. They went to travel to West Virginia. And then... They had a fine non-conference in, I'm not going to fine MTE in Florida and Oregon State. You know, Florida ended up, was a Q1 on the, was Q1 there. Oregon State is a Q3. 
And then they had the ACC SEC challenge. That's pretty much it. They basically, essentially, they had a decent MTE. They had whatever the whatever their ACC SEC crossover is going to be, and then they scheduled like garbage. And what they did outside of the outside of Missouri and is what they did with the people that they scheduled is they just played a bunch of bad teams and they beat the hell out of them. You know, the Knights one was was closer than you'd expect than you'd want 82 71 but like they beat North Carolina A&T 100 to 52 they beat Binghamton 89 to 60 they beat Jacksonville 107 to 56 they beat excuse me they beat Purdue Fort Wayne 62 to 48 they beat South Carolina State 86 50 and because of that now even though they have lost what five out of their last eight games and, you know, you can also spend that and say, you know, they've won two out of their last three games, but they've lost five out of their last eight games. And there's still a Q1 opportunity, not just like a borderline one. This isn't one where if you win by, you know, seven, eight points, you know, they're going to fall out of a Q1 territory. No, you can win this one by about 10 and they'd still be a Q1 opportunity. Like that's what that's the kind of thing that. Steve Forbes talked about it yesterday, both on his show and also during the coaches Tom uh, coaches Zoom. Jim uh, Jim Larnag also talked about it as well. That's the kind of schedule that like your Big Ten teams are playing and like some of the Big East are playing is just a bunch of just garbage outside of their MTE, and they can just kind of be meh during the during conference play. And as long as they're not getting blown out every game, it's a Q one opportunity for people. And so, and it's at worst a Q2 with, you know, Pitt's coming to you. So, you know, it's helpful for the metrics, but it's also one of those things that you also, that you really don't understand what this Pitt team is. I have no clue what this Pitt team is, to be quite honest. 10 out of their 12 wins are Q4. You know, they have a Q1 win over Duke, but again, like Duke was down two starters and it took Henson having the game of his life to do that. Uh, it, like it's like, it's hard to figure out this team. Like, you know, I, I think scouting them, it, it feels kind of simple in terms of playing this team. Don't let Blake Henson beat you. Like he's going to take a ton of shots. Like you, you're not going to be able to force the ball out of his hands. Like he's going to take double digit shots. Like that is going to happen. You have to make his life not easy. But I think something that they've learned from the last time they've played them where Blake Henson absolutely just banged, what was it, eight threes against them? It was, it's a, it, they, I think they started going more to drop coverage and ended up running, they're running people off the three-point line more often now. You know, if you look at the ACC conference standings in terms of that, Wake Forest is kind of middle of the road in terms of their, I think they're last in the ACC and opponents taking threes against them. And they are about middle, their eighth in terms of teams making threes. So pretty much middle of the pack. Fine. Yeah. If pe- people aren't, aren't taking a ton of threes, they're making under 33% of them. Okay. Whatever. That's about, I think, the level of what you what you would like here. Maybe maybe a little bit lower, given how much Blake is going to chuck. But you're not giving up a ton of threes in general. I, they've got some some solid block rates, whether it's Diaz, Diaz Graham and Federico Federico. But I think when you're playing this pit team, you're going to try to beat them from the outside. 
which feels really, really weird given if you look at their stats, they are the one of the better teams in terms of three-point percentages I'm allowed. But this is kind of the UNC game, but on steroids. So I remember talking about the UNC game and saying, you know, it felt weird that UNC was giving up a ton of a decent amount of threes, but people weren't making those threes. Pittsburgh's in a whole different class of that. You know, they're there. They have the 29th best three-point percentage allowed in the country. But you go through and you look at it, and people are taking the fifth most threes in the eight tie for the fifth most threes in the ACC against them 468. You know, that's that's a lot. Like if teams are sitting here taking essentially 23 threes a game against you and they're only somehow making 30 of them at a certain point law of averages says that you only giving up 30 percent of that in the conference it that's what they're on the conference it at a certain point there you're not playing good three-point defense people just aren't making them like there's there's not really a way the math works out that you're supposed to be tied for you know fourth in the in the acc in in three-point field goals allowed like that's a lot but then you're only allowing the third worst percentage of those going in like something isn't congruent there and eventually those threes have to fall now you don't necessarily get two three happy like you like you still need to move the ball around and i think that's something that has been an emphasis in practice the last few days is and I mean, I mean, over the just week and a half is they've got to move. They've got to move the ball. Like things are just getting too stagnant. And you see a lot of hero ball from Boopy and Cam and Hunter to an extent. The ball has to move. And, you know, I, I talked about it last time. I reported, you know, it feels like no one knows who's driving the bus. And this is where you need someone to, where it needs to be. Everyone's drive, driving the bus. It needs to be. This is going to be a team effort. I don't think you're going to sit here and have. Hunter going for 30 or Boopy going for 25 or, you know, Damari going for 25, which, you know, great for Damari. He's moving up to 18, 20 minutes. I think that's going to be helpful now, especially, you know, we're going to see hopefully if, if Cam, Cam will, should be able to go on, not Cam, excuse me, Andrew Carr should be able to go on Wednesday. Carr was one of the two, one of the couple people that was sick for was mentioned on his radio show as well. You know, he hadn't practiced since Saturday. They're looking to get him back and going, you know, while they're uh, today. So I don't think there's any danger of him not playing. It's more of a, you want him to knock a little bit of the rust off and make sure he's feeling as well as he possibly can going into the game. Yeah, so tomorrow having 18, 20 minutes, I think it's great, but I don't know. This isn't going to be one you're, you're hoping he gets you 20 points. You know, this is going to be a team effort. I think you need someone like Boopy to just be like, if if Boopy wants to drive the bus, that's fine. But he's got to do it in ter- in terms of making the right decisions. Like he's got to be like, look, I can't just drive in here against a bunch of six, eight plus monsters because they're a pretty large team. You know, if you're going to drive it, kick it out. If you don't have a shot, kick it out. There's going to be an open shot. They're giving up a ton of open shots. Reward your guys. You've got to continue to do that. You know, Cam, you know, I, I think he's got to be smart with his shots and when he's going to try to take it, take it inside, especially with that risk, because it's not going to get better. 
be smart with that. Make sure the ball is moving. That's just, it's, this is going to be one where I think if you keep the ball moving, you'll find your shots, but then you got to make them. You know, if Carr, if Carr is able to be as healthy as humanly possible come tomorrow, I think he's probably your biggest matchup factor here. I don't really know. I think, I don't really know who necessarily is going to be great on him. Like maybe Henson, but if Henson gets into foul trouble guarding Carr, that's a problem for Pitt. You know, I don't, you know, then same sort of thing for Hunter. I don't really know who guards Hunter on this Pitt team. Is it going to be Zach Austin? If it is, that... Okay. <laughs> I, you hope. You, you, you hope you can hold up there. But I, I think Hunter and Carr are going to be your two solid X-Factors here. You know, I think Poopy and Cam are going to have their hands full with Lowe and Carrington. I like Carrington a lot. I think that if this is going to be a game that if you win, you're gonna you're not going to have to play perfect, but you're going to have to play smart. Uh, this is a this is a, a decently well rounded team. And Pitt, uh, their defense is pretty solid. They don't force a ton of turnovers, which I think is positive for Wake. But they also don't turn it over a ton. And I think Wake loves to be in transition. They, you know, they they just they take care of the ball really really well. So you know, I think this is going to be a kind of a slower game. And I think it's kind of a strength on strength in terms of the rebounding, at least for, you know, I don't think you're going to get a ton of offensive rebounds. Pitt's a very, very good offensive rebounding team, but Wake is a very good, Wake is a very, very good defensive rebounding team. So I think that's going to be where this is, where this is kind of won or loss is, are you able to keep Pitt off the offensive glass? I don't think you're going to get a ton of offensive rebounds, but can you keep Pitt from having a ton of second chance points? You know, that's why you have Efton Reed. That's why you have Andrew Carr. Damari is a much better rebounder. I, I think a much better rebounder than, than people give him credit for. Cam, you know, I think now that he's had, you know, he has to really change how he's playing. You know, I think Hunter is going to be the guy leaking out more and Cam's arguably a better rebounder than Hunter to me. And I think, you know, just having him in there being being able to stay back and not leak out will help will help that as well. So that's going to be somewhere that I am interested. But again, I think you're going to have to be extremely, extremely smart with your possessions. This isn't one I think you can just throw random stuff at the wall and hope it sticks. If you're awake, you know, I think you have to have good possessions. And one of the biggest things is, you know, Wake loves to get to the free throw line. That's been some of their bread and butter, and that's fine. Like so some people have things that they're really, really good at. That's one thing that Wake Forest does. The kicker here is with Pitt. This Pitt Panther team, again, really interesting because you know it, it, they're just a team that I feel like no one really knows how to how to deal with them. They don't foul a ton at all. Like they, they don't, but they also don't really draw fouls. So I don't know. This is one where the, they're, they're 89th in, in foul rate on defense and 196th on offense. So it's one of those things that I don't, I don't know how many stoppages we necessarily get. If this turned into a rock fight, I wouldn't be stunned, but this is, this is one where I think you're going to get a lot of free possessions like you did against say, you know, Louisville or even the first half of NC state. Or, you know, against Miami or against, you know, early VT. 
yeah, early VT or, or Virginia. Like this is going to be a team that just doesn't, I don't want to say they don't do a whole lot, but they are just a very, just well-rounded team in terms of they do what they do. You know, for them, they sometimes just cannot hit shots. And that's just kind of who it is, how, how it is. You need to be smart with how you play against this team. If you win this game, I think it shows you have a bit of maturity. And I think that's more important than anything else right now is being able to show that you have the maturity to not only not not to not only just bounce back from getting thrashed against UNC, but simply just like you have the maturity to like finish a game on the road. Like you just have not like outside of BC, but you kind of try to throw away. You haven't really had the maturity to finish on the road. Like you haven't you haven't had against NC State, you threw up on yourselves and the game got out of hand. Against Florida State, you got sped up so much and they, you couldn't really recover from it. And against UNC, like, you, you kind of just got, you did the one thing you couldn't do that you got told all, all week that you couldn't do. And it happened. You got it. There's got to be some level of maturity for this team. And again, if you lose this game, it's not, it's not getting late early. Like, I don't think, it, I don't think it's getting late early. But then it, it just, but that's the problem is it keeps starting, it's starting to put more and more pressure on you having to go undefeated at home and start having to put more pressure on you having to, you know, beat both the Virginia teams on the road, which isn't, which isn't fun to do, which isn't easy to do either. Like the whole part of you having that run that you did from Charleston Southern through Miami was the fact that you built up goodwill so that way you could absorb losses. And, you know, you've absorbed some losses to Florida State and NC State and North Carolina. You can't absorb too many losses, though. Like, you've got to be able to, you got to start separating yourself from, you know, that middle of the pack of Virginia and Virginia Tech and Pitt and FSU and, and Syracuse. Like, you've got to, got to remove yourself from that pack as much as you possibly can. And this is a game I can do it. While Pitt obviously isn't, you know, right smack dab in the middle, you can get a Q1 win out of this. You can prove you have some some semblance of maturity, and then you come back on Saturday. It's you know it's the alumni weekend for the basketball players. You'll have pretty you should have a pretty solid crowd against a pretty decent Syracuse team. And then you know if you can get past this game, things start opening up for you. Like that's the things will open up for you. You get Syracuse, which you know I know it's Q three, but Syracuse is better than that. But you still will be fair than that probably by just looking at it from Torvik. Torvik right now has it at wake minus six. You know, if you win this game, I could see that pushing up to seven or eight, depending on how much you win by. Then you go to Georgia Tech. I'll be there if someone, if anyone wants to say hi. You know, road games aren't easy, but this is a game that's a road game that like, it's probably your easiest road game, if not, or second behind Notre Dame later in the season. And then you get an NC State team. And yes, I understand you kind of threw up on yourselves at the end of that road game. NC State just has not looked good. Like, you know, I think today, they tonight, they might be on a little bit of a, I've been a little bit of quit watch. You know, there's, we finally started hearing some stuff about, you know, Kevin Keats, maybe this being his last season. You can kind of put that team in the dirt. You know, they have lost, they've lost three straight and granted they haven't lost to bad teams, but if they lose to Syracuse, I mean, lose to Miami, 
They've got Georgia Tech and Pitt. You know, it, Georgia Tech's been scrappy on the road for whatever reason. I don't know why at home, but the, not at home, but at, on the road, they've been extremely scrappy. And we were just talking about how Pitt's just a well-rounded team. You could really put that NC State team to bed really quickly and then get some momentum going into a road game at Cameron Indoor. You know, I don't think you necessarily have the best chances at Cameron Indoor, but, you know, put yourself in the best position. You win, you win this game, then the next game becomes important, then the next game becomes important. Start, you need to start getting back to stacking wins. And I think that's why this is important. It's not a, it's not a must win, but it's a really, 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 this is like, I think I think there's one you got to have. I think you got to have this one. If you lose it, it's not the end of the world. But you really, really should try to get this one. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So just kind of kicking things back. Just, I, we're going to take the last like five, ten minutes of this just to do some little bit of housekeeping. Because there is some, some football stuff going on. Uh, Wick Forest picked up a... Defensive commit this past weekend. Uh, he is from Raymond Gap. Goes by the name of Terry Nwabuisi Azalea. If you listen to the podcast, The Mailbag, he was one of the names that I was saying, hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, sounds like things are pretty going pretty well there. Um, I teased out a commitment last night. You know, I, it'll be on the defensive side of the ball as well. Solid, solid recruit like him like like everything about the about this guy you know that I think that should be coming out on Thursday or Friday never know with recruits these days of they can tell you Thursday and then all of a sudden it's today and I'm while I'm recording this but you know I think this is going to follow a similar wake path and it does the last few years which is you know wake jumps out to getting what eight nine ten recruits and before spring camp ends and you know then you start trying to finish off the pieces in june and there may be one or two stragglers that end up in the rest of the class but for otherwise you know they like getting their stuff early and i think that's that's how wake is done traditionally and i think that's only being more sped up now because of the portal from talking to high school coaches and talking to high school prospects in general you know, the last few years, I felt a lot more, I feel like I heard a lot more people saying, yeah, I want to take this through, you know, my senior season, you know, just to be able to, especially if the recruitments weren't necessarily that prosperous during their sophomore or junior seasons. Like if they, if they just had like, you know, a really, really standout junior season, they're like, Hey, you know, I'm actually trying to make sure I'm making the right decision. I think a lot of people are making sure they're making the right decisions, but a lot of times you got people taking a little a little slower and go, hey, you know, I at least want to try to decide around you know August, September, October. Some people pushing it actually to early signing day. You know, I think you still are going to have that with a lot of your top, top, top prospects because they have a bit of leverage. But if you're not someone, if you're someone that's even that's somewhat coveted, but you know, you know, three or four star, you don't have as much leverage anymore. 
guys or teams are filling up and you know I, I know wake right now is probably you know looking at you know i would say i would i would i would wager probably two on each side two at each position they minus quarterback and running back but you know kind of two wide receivers a, a tight end two offensive linemen two defensive ends two defense tackles etc cetera, etc cetera. because they're like look we need to have room for the portal and we're trying to get all this stuff done by you know, June at the absolute latest. And that way we can be, we can wash our hands of this, be done. We can talk to our guys and say, Hey, who's coming back next year? Because that's kind of how those conversations works. They usually have like sort of an initial talk with a team, with with each person on the team and say, Hey, you know, it's June, July, let's sit down, let's plan out, you know, what's the goal for you. We already had, we already had our initial set plan setting back in the spring, but you know, we've seen what's happened during spring Here's where we see where you're at. You know, what's going to be your goal this year? Do we expect you, should we expect you back next year? What's going on here? Or also the alternative of, hey, you know, you're a little behind. If you can't hit, you know, these these metrics, you know, we're going to have to go in a different direction come the end of end of next end of this year. And from there, they're able to say, okay, we need to address this, this, and this, whether in the portal, whether in the uh, in the high school ranks, not that the tenants are usually going to be in the portal, unless you have something like they had with Gavin Ellis, where he's medically disqualified. They were like, "Eh, we will just address this one in the in the high school ranks," and that's how Dom DeLuca got his got his scholarship. So yeah, so a lot of these guys are already trying to lock things down right now because they are utterly terrified of their spot being taken come, you know, even August at a certain point. They're like, look, unless I'm the best of the best, this P5 or now P4 team all of a sudden doesn't have room for me. And, you know, while we had a great relationship, now I have to go scrounge up somewhere else and hopefully someone else wants me. And I don't think teams really want that. I don't think players really want that. And so I think you're going to see a lot more people trying to schedule schedule officials like in June and just say, Hey, let's just get this out of the way, which is something Wake Forest doesn't really love doing. They always love people coming in on their official visits on December because they like keeping having one big weekend for the class at the end of it, because people always love trying to poach Wake Forest team players at the end because they're usually undervalued prospects. We can go through this, but Wake's been a little bit more receptive of people burning their official visit in June and just being like, look, you we're gonna get you in now. We don't want we don't want this to be a hassle later on. Let's just get you in the boat and be done here. So I think you're gonna start seeing your your normal over the next month, month and a half of, you know, especially as we get closer, get through starting to and through spring camp, I think you're gonna start seeing a lot more of guys just deciding, hey, we're just gonna shut things down. We're gonna make the wake, be done. I think Wake does a very, very good job in terms of what they do on unofficial visits. Because I think some pla- some places that I've heard don't necessarily do the best job. They don't make it really personable. They like having these really, really big sort of gatherings. And then some guys feel a little bit left out. And just even if they're really good, they're like, yeah, like, I mean, the guys didn't really pay that much attention to me. Wake's usually a, a school that's like, hey, We'll keep these junior day lists or even spring practices lists to maybe you know, 10 to 12 
And that's as much as we feel like we can handle because we want to make, they would make sure a lot that people are very individualized and make sure they're spending a lot of time with their position coach and say, Hey, like you are a, you're a priority. And I think that works out a lot more, a lot more in their favor. I think that's going to work out a lot more in the favor as people are trending more and more towards earlier decision-making. So this was great. I love keeping these underneath an hour. We're at about 34, 35 minutes. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, go Deeks.